And welcome to another episode of Whinging Wednesday. Every Whinging Wednesday, we give you our hot takes on the week's news stories, play games, and respond to what you, our listeners, have to say. Fortunately for us, there is a lot of news this week. And despite the fact that Westminster is on recess, there's actually been a lot going on. Aside from, obviously, the big issues of the day, which is the cost of living crisis, which we've covered on this show, uh, and the Ukraine conflict, which you've also covered on this show. So today we're going to be discussing two things that are slightly different. One is the recent ter- the recent U-turn and another U-turn. So I guess it's an O-turn of conversion therapy uh, by Boris Johnson made in the last few days. And then the other story we're going to be chatting about is what's happening with David Warburton MP. We'll fill you in all about it, but... Please feel free to Google him in your own time. So I think we're going to be starting with conversion therapy or why it's still currently allowed in the UK and why it really, really shouldn't be. We've obviously covered trans rights and LGBTQIA plus history on the show, but we thought because it was such a big topic of the week that we should definitely talk about it. Yeah, so I have to say that more than anything, I am incredibly disappointed in the government for this because I was once kind of queried by a PhD student who wanted to see the link between being LGBT and patriotism. And as somebody who personally identified as a patriot, I was picked up by this PhD student who wanted to know you know, how I defined that and did it overlap with my, my LGBT identity, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things that I said, actually, was one of the reasons why I'm proud of this country was because of the progress that Mm. it had made on LGBT rights. And it's a place that, you know, up until very recently, I think, besides my own personal issues, um, I felt fairly safe to be in this country as, as as a bisexual person. But given recent years, I'm particularly seeing how transphobia a lot personally has has spilled over into homophobia. It has really made me more nervous about the direction that the country's going in. And this issue of conversion therapy has definitely kind of exemplified this in that for some reason, the government feels like they've got to play to an extremist point of view about LGBT rights for some reason. It's really something that I, I don't personally understand we know that the majority of the population does actually support uh, LGBT rights in general, including trans rights. So I don't understand why the government is really differing on this. And I think my worry is if the government condones the behaviour of uh, far-right extremists on this issue, then it might become more widespread as people accept it as kind of a, a more mainstream opinion. And, you know, I really expect the government to be leading the way on this because even conservative governments have been not great, but okay on LGBT rights in the last 10 years. And uh, to see the government kind of 
do a U-turn on that policy of of uh, of progress is actually really disappointing to me. Yeah, I mean, interesting to hear your opinions and your analysis on that. One of the things I thought was quite interesting, which is slightly aside from the issue, is that this was leaked to the press or somebody found this out, a journalist found this out. And my understanding is a lot of people inside Number 10 and in uh, and Liz Truss, obviously the Minister for Women and Equalities, didn't know this was taking place. And obviously later on this year, uh, I, I believe Britain is leading an international uh, conference on LGBTQ rights. And I'd be fascinated to see now that this, I, I feel like the U-turn only came as quick as it did because there was such a backlash against it. This is something, so a ban on conversion therapy, I, I believe has actually been in the Conservative manifesto for a very long time, or it's been accepted, widely accepted amongst Conservative circles. So I don't think that this is a particularly, while of course I completely disagree and think it should be completely outlawed, I actually think a lot of Conservatives agree with this. So I was a little bit shocked to see as to why they were U-turning on this issue. But what I also feel like is happening, which is a little bit away from the topic we're talking about, but we've said this in several other episodes, is that the government will do something just to see the reaction and then backtrack very quickly if the reaction is too much. If it's too reactionary, if people kick off too much, if MPs write too many letters, if people, you know, if groups speak out loud enough, I believe sometimes very quickly there is a U-turn. I, th- I think we've seen that several times during COVID and we saw that again last week. And I- I'm a little bit confused as to why the government are, are doing are like are doing that. It doesn't really seem like a kind of coherent strategy. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, the idea of conversion therapy. I think I was quite naive before I really kind of like got involved with um the Labour Party so like over the last two years as to kind of what conversion therapy actually was and I was definitely naive to think that that sort of practice could like take place here in the UK but here we are um talking about it yeah I mean in regards to the ban and then we're not banning and then we are banning but we're banning it differently blah 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 the whole backtracking situation I do agree with you Kathleen that it is reactionary politics absolutely I think when we think about the lives of the LGBT community in the UK and how we can we can take them and we can think to ourselves, yeah, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to send some of these people to medical professionals or whatever and, and try and change who they are. I, I think that's really terrifying, actually. I think there's something actually quite sinister about that. I mean, just off the bat, why are we doing it? But you know, it's like when you look at the institutional homophobia and transphobia that's been rooted into society for for so long, um, I guess it doesn't come as much as a surprise. But I think I really thought we were past this. But yeah, you get involved in politics at a young age, you, you kind of find out that things are not as peachy as you you might have reckoned they were. What's particularly upsetting um, for me, I think, is the treatment of the trans community in particular because obviously with the news about they are going through with the ban on conversion therapy but leaving trans people out of that I found that even more sickening because it's not like trans people that they already go through enough like as the whole LGBT community does like facing stigma and stereotypes but um the trans community have gone through a lot I think particularly in sort of like the last six to 12 months with 
opposition from MPs and some very notable people in society, it's it's become very difficult to to be trans. I think, and and yeah, and it's it's quite scary. And I say that as somebody who isn't going to be affected by that that conversion therapy, but the idea that that could go ahead is really, really, really scary. So bringing it back in house to Westminster for a minute, I have to talk about what has happened to this guy called David Warburton, who is a Conservative MP who I don't think anyone had really heard until a few days ago where some absolutely like absolutely scandalous things came out about what this guy has been up to. I mean, you can I can't go through every I, I believe he's going through a legal process, so I can't go through everything he's ever said and done. It's pretty bad. And I, I was kind of joking to Brandon and Sean before we started this podcast. And I said, if there's a bingo for like how you can really screw up being an MP, he really has hit the bingo. He like almost he's almost ticked all the boxes of like the most terrible things you can do as a member of parliament. Whether that's I believe he's taken money from a Russian donor. I believe like MI6 had to tell I mean, please check this, but I believe MI6 had to tell him like, please don't take money from this guy. I believe it was like part of it was undisclosed. It's dodgy money, which is obviously I realised it was a few years ago, but that's a huge red flag in today's in what's going on today and what we're trying to do and what the government's agenda is. Um, Whether that's sexually harassing your staff to the extent we're on indefinite leave, three of them, I believe, are on indefinite leave as a result of what he has done to them whether that's hiring your missus to be head of HR. There isn't really HR in an MP's office, but being the office manager, so that's the person that you go to when you have an issue. If that's the wife of the MP, that's, for me, a, rage, a, a major red flag. I just I just feel like this has been maybe brewing for a long time, and it's, a, it's just all come out, and it's actually, it's so sad. And I'm finding reading the coverage to be quite... <sighs> a little bit almost depressing because it seems like it's it's gone on for a very long period of time and nothing's been done about it and it's only now because these pictures have come out of him with a white substance shall we say and all these texts have come out and a journalist has leaked them and that's why it's in the public interest but if that journalist hadn't done that he would have voted on legislation in two weeks time when parliament's back out of recess so you know it's it's sad and I would say I realise, you know, I'm in a union. I'm in the the GMB parliamentary branch. It's a fantastic union. It's run by really good people. And we're doing our best to help other parliamentary staffers um, because you're not really given, there aren't really HR departments. There are there very rarely are people you can go and see. Things can go drag on for months and months and months. It's a tough job anyway. So I, I do feel very bad for the people that in good faith went to work for for a conservative mp who's just completely let them down and the media coverage seems to be consistently oh well he's he's been admitted to a psychiatric ward well it's not about him it's about the people he abused to get to where he is and it's about the money he took from that you know what do you do to get that money where's that money come from it's about those three or four women that have been on indefinite leave it's about everyone that he's you know there's probably more people that we don't know about it's just I'm saddened, but not surprised, is what I'd probably say. Yeah, I mean, I guess from all of this about David Warburton, I don't think we can ignore the glaringly obvious issue of um, the photo that was 
leaks posted whatever um came out with him with the you know his desk with the with the white powder the situation and I'm not, I'm not gonna talk about everything but there was something that a Labour Party friend from Stoke said to me um a couple of days ago that really really hit the spot I just thought it was really spot on he's the kind of guy that would you know he he, he can be sat there with you know d- potentially doing drugs and we we don't care about that like that's what you want to do then fine that's that's up to you but this is the sort of person that would go out of his way to then make sure that young people involved in drugs and with drug gangs and county lines and things like that across the country would be arrested and you know put into jail and like have have their lives turned upside down and 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 ruined so yeah I mean it's just it's massive hypocrisy because you cannot participate in something which your party is then oh so famous for putting people who realistically don't deserve the prison time in there when you know you've you've got other people that, that could be having those spaces that have done things that are actually genuinely awful it's just it doesn't make sense to me I mean it's typical but I don't know I'm it's just really disappointing because he's doing something that somebody without his privilege and without his power and status would be you know kind of ransacked by the law for mm. so yeah um that's that's kind of my take on it I feel like also one of the things you mentioned Sean is that it lowers the standard of expectation that people have for politicians. Yeah. And we spoke about this a lot over Partygate and obviously Partygate isn't over. It will continue. Uh, We have spoken about it before. We will speak about it again. But I generally believe in the public now, there's a very much a plague on all your houses, back to the expenses scandal. We don't trust any of you. You're all taking us for granted. These elites in Westminster. And that narrative is being built up because of actions of people like him, which then all spill out and everyone, you know, if you think of your average Joe on the bus reading that on the way to work, struggling at the cost of living crisis, there's a lot of things going on in their lives. They don't have the privileges to be able to do that and to get away with that. And you couldn't get away with it in a normal job. There's, there's no way, even if you owned your own business, that you could really get away with that kind of behaviour. Um, and it makes me sad because there are really good parliamentary staff there's really good parliamentary teams there are some fantastic members of parliament some of which we've had on the show some of which we will continue to have on the show who actually do good work to help other people and it's a shame I always think with people like this when this comes out because it just lowers people's expectations and standards of their parliamentarians and even if you were to look abroad at some other fantastic parliamentarians we've spoken about Vladimir Slensky we've spoken about Klitschko We've spoken about so many people and it's just, it's just such a shame that when it comes to RMPs, there are just a couple who I think really, really let everyone else down. And obviously the public don't understand it like that. They just think all MPs are like that. And it's, it's not true. Yeah. And I think as well as that, I don't think things are getting worse in terms of the standards of MPs at all. I just think that nowadays we have more instruments, more mechanisms through which MPs can be found out about if they do sure. stuff like this. Yeah. So back in the, the 60s, 70s, 80s, when the public had more trust in Parliament, it wasn't necessarily because the, the MPs were any more morally righteous than they are now. You know, there's, there's a lot of evidence out there retrospectively that we know that they definitely weren't, uh, possibly worse. 
But now, and one thing that I'm actually grateful for is that we do have those mechanisms in place, um, like the Freedom of Information Act, that expose people who are like uh, Mr Warburton in Parliament, so that at the very least, despite all that he's done, the hope is that he won't return to Parliament, particularly not after go go for it. I think he might. What about that guy, Rod Roberts? Oh, bloody hell, yeah. He says he was given a six-week slap on the wrist, of which I can't three, believe that. Of which three were in recess. So actually, he was... So essentially, one of the worst things you do for a member of parliament is to stop them from voting, stop them being in the chamber, and stop them from having their say, because that's kind of the reason, that's the whole point there, there essentially, is to vote on legislation. And he was given a six-week slap on the wrist for essentially ruining people's lives, which is what he did. And because the government needed, I think, I think I've got my dates right, but because the government needed some kind of certain votes to happen, he was mm-hmm. just let back in, like a blind eye was oh turned God, yeah, to several people. Just, but just to get a couple of votes through because the government was on a sticky wicket. And I don't, I kind of, I'm not, I'm not interested in hearing. And, you know, there are people on the opposition that have done similar worse things. It's not just the government, but I'm getting a little bit fed up of this cycle of, Quite rightly, somebody is found out for doing something bad. There is media outrage. People, the parliamentary standards, the speaker, the chamber said they're going to do something. And then very quickly afterwards, nothing is done. Or, or like a minimal punishment is occurred. Mm. And then yeah. people crack on. Or like the guy admits that he's unwell or like whatever whatever like hat they can pull out of the bag. You know, it's We never hear about bad. it again as well it's you know it's just kind of like pushed under the carpet and you know we're expected yeah, exactly. to carry on like nothing happens and I feel bad for the constituents and people like that generally write to their MP thinking that they're representing them well it's quite it's quite tough I'm very lucky to have I work for a great MP and I have a good MP and I grew up with a with a, an MP I disagreed with but one that was very reaction reactive and just makes me really sad that other people don't have that Here's a question. It's kind of linked yeah. to what we've been talking about. Do you think that the power of constituents to uh, start recall petitions should be expanded upon? Because, of course, it, I can't remember the exact mechanisms through which it can happen, but it's incredibly limited. I think there's got to be yeah, either so it's criminal to... conviction or suspension from the House of six after months. Like six months. Yeah. yeah. Do you and, think... then you, and then you need 10,000 10, signatures of people in the constituency. Yeah, yeah. And then you get a recall, which is actually super. Yeah, I think it should. And I think you've got to be quite clear on, what's, on what the behaviour is. Mm-hmm. But I actually think they're quite, such like any group of people, the, the minute you have one or two people that act out of line and get punished and get punished severely enough, everybody else gets into line. So I guess the final point to make on this would be bad bosses occur in every walk of life, including members of parliament. The best tool you have in your arsenal, if you're a worker, if you're a young person, whatever stage of life you're in, is to have is to join a union and to pay your subs. And it's just a couple. We've done several episodes on this. It's just a couple of pounds a month, but it could potentially save you tens, if not hundreds of thousands of pounds in legal fees and advice that you, when you need it most and when you're, when you're under as much pressure as you, as you can be in a tough situation, in a workplace conflict. Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today. Um, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Windsor Wednesday. But we'll be back next Windsor Wednesday with a new episode.
If you enjoyed listening to us, please subscribe to this podcast to be notified of when our new episodes come out. We also have a mailing list, the Left Wingers community, which you can join using the link in this episode's description. Now, if you're on that community mailing list, you will get notified through your email every time that we upload a new episode and if we've got any opportunities for you to potentially come on as a guest. Likewise, you can keep in touch with us using the links in our social media, which are also in our episode's description. Keep whinging, join a union, and we'll see you soon.